explain things to you, but hey, how y'all doing this morning? Y'all doing good? You look good. You look good. Uh, and today, our Spirit Day, Family Fun Day, we're, uh, we've only got one item we're going to auction off. Uh, this golf ball that was signed by Lane Kiffin, uh, we're going <laughs> to... Never mind. Some of y'all don't get it. <laughs> so, and somebody was saying, hey, did you throw? I said, I did not throw anything. I said, I simply brought the golf balls. I did not throw them, no. I didn't. Uh, it was a, me and my wife had a great day. But welcome to Spirit Day, man. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff planned for you. Uh, welcome to week three of our series, Ghost Stories. Anybody loving this weather? Come on. Anybody hating this weather? Come on. Where's Sam? Where's Sam Elliott? Here's the thing about the weather. You can complain about it. You can gripe about it. Or you can adapt to it. You can make it where the weather works for you and, where, and it helps you get things done. How many know the same is true when it comes to the Holy Spirit? You can complain about it. You can act like he's not real. You can act or you can adapt to it and let him begin to work in and through you to accomplish his will. Are you hearing me, folks? And that's part of what the Holy Spirit does. He works in our lives. This series is meant to help us understand more clearly who Holy Spirit is. What is his function? What is that work? We looked at week one. What or who is the Holy Spirit? Last week, we talked about this. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? And I hope as we progress in this, you're going to learn more than what you ever thought you needed to know about the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to tackle... The big one when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues. Because, come on, how, how many of you are like, I don't, I'm just going to be honest. I grew up hearing stories about it. I know, really don't know anything about it. Uh, I, come on, be honest. Yeah. My wife will tell you the first, some of y'all are just not telling the truth. I know in church you're supposed to lie and act like you know it all and, and that you've got it all together, but we, we like to be honest here. Uh, we, we don't know it. So let me, let me ask this. I asked this last week, but we got a lot of new faces. How many grew up Baptist? Raise your hand. How many grew up Catholic? You grew up Catholic. We got some in the back. Uh, how many grew up Presbyterian? Any Presbyterian? Do you know what the difference is? Uh, uh, when, when a, what the difference between a Pentecostal preacher and a Presbyterian preacher is? A Presbyterian preacher will ask you where you've been the past few weeks at church when he sees you at the liquor store. <laughs> Come on, Harvey, that was funny. He's back there shaking his head. I think it's because he's a little too close to home. Uh, so <laughs> anybody with a Patriots jersey on. Uh, who grew up Methodist? Anybody grow up Methodist? Uh, what, what about uh, the Nazarene Church? I know the Elliots. We had some that grew up in that. Uh, how many of you know church background at all? Man, my favorite people. Seriously. I love that our people, we've got so many new Christians that really, okay, let me, let me rephrase this. How many of you grew up in a church background, but come on, you didn't really live that church background? Now, there we go. All right, now. So I grew up Pentecostal. 
in a Pentecostal church. Anybody grow up in a Pentecostal church? Yeah, and, and here's the thing. When I would invite friends to school, they knew, hey, that Goins family, they attend the Cell Creek Church of God. And there were stories told about crazy things that went on at Cell Creek Church of God. They'd heard rumors about things. Let me say this. I am very proud of my heritage. I'm very proud that I, that I grew up in a church where Holy Spirit was on full display and a church that believed in healings and miracles. But, but along with that culture that I grew up in came a lot of man-made rules. Are you with me? And a lot of things we associate with. So I came up with my own top 10 list of you might be Pentecostal if. Y'all ready? Now, if you get offended, you're looking for something to get offended over. And if it hits home, just own it. Just own it. You might be Pentecostal if the amount of money you spend on hairspray is greater than your gas and electric bill. Here's one of my favorites. You might be Pentecostal if you can go swimming in a denim skirt and still have fun. <laughs> oh, that one gets me. You might be Pentecostal if you can stop a run in pantyhose with about anything. You might be Pentecostal if you consider running the aisles exercise. You might be Pentecostal if you've been injured more than once by a flying hairpin. Come on out. You might be Pentecostal if celebrating your 21st birthday means nothing at all. So, <laughs> offended one. Uh, 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 you might be Pentecostal. Let me get back to my notes. Uh, if, if you address everyone with sister or brother, sister or brother. By the way, my wife loves it when you call her sister Denise. L loves it. Loves it. Uh, you might be uh, Pentecostal if when you go out shopping for a dress, you do the praise the Lord test. Come on. You might be Pentecostal if on your Sabbath day, your day of rest, you have two church services, choir practice, and golden crowd. And my final one, you might be Pentecostal. If you are free, if you know exactly what the rooster dance is in church and you've done it. Come on now. Some of y'all said, I wish I grew up Pentecostal now. I didn't know it was that fun. So it is. But if you talk to people, mom and dad started this church 38 years ago. We were the only really Pentecostal church in the area. Uh, and, and, and so a lot of things got said about us. We handled snakes. People talked crazy. People acted crazy. People did crazy things. And if you talk with people that don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, then when you mention Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, they'll kind of get quiet on you. Or they'll say some, um, I've heard some stories about that 
church or that place. So what I want to do when we talk about Pentecost, Pentecostal, I want to look at some questions. The question, is he Pentecostal? Is Holy Spirit Pentecostal? And here's the thing. It depends on how you define Pentecostal. If you go by the cultural definition of Pentecostal, meaning you look a certain way, you dress a certain way, women can't wear makeup. My dad used to say this, and you've heard me say this, for some women it was a sin for them not to wear makeup. (laughs) Barbara Harris didn't like that joke at all. Uh, Men can't have long hair. Uh, Women, you wear your hair in a bun. Can I tell you what that is, folks? That's bondage. <laughs> come on, come on. Bondage, bondage. Some of y'all, that's all right. But, <laughs> come on, Ingrid, that's funny. <laughs> of course, Derek can never be accused of that. So, but here's the thing. If that is your definition of Pentecostal, no, Holy Spirit's not Pentecostal. He's not. But if the biblical definition, if you ask, do I believe in Acts 2 in the fulfillment of Pentecost? Do I believe that all the gifts, all the fruits of the Holy Spirit are still active and alive for us today? Do I believe that we have his power living inside of us and it enables us to live this Christian life? Do I believe he is active and longing to be present in every believer? Then yes, he is Pentecostal. I reminded myself of my brother right then when I did that. I've seen Chris do that too many times. But I don't want to just give you that and, say, and, and leave you with that hanging. I want to answer the question, is the Holy Spirit Pentecostal with a few questions? One is this, if you're taking notes. What is Pentecost? What is it? The word Pentecostal comes from the word Pentecost. And here's simply what it means. If you'll bring up that. Penta is equals five. Cost in the Greek means the tenth power. So Pentecost literally in the Greek means this, 50th. 50th. See, Pentecost is uh, one of three major pilgrimages that, that, the, that the Jewish people, uh, the nation of Israel, they, they, they would do every year and still a lot of them do. They still celebrate these festivals where they would get their family, pack them up, they would head to Jerusalem, to the temple there in Jerusalem. You had the Feast of Passover. Here's what that celebration involved. They celebrated the time where, where when the slaves were in, in captivity to Egypt, God sent the ten plagues. On the final plague, the death angel came over, and, and if you did not have the blood applied to your doorpost, well, then, then you were dead. The firstborn in that family was dead. So they celebrated every year and considered that one of their most sacred holidays. They still celebrate it. They celebrate the, the Feast of Pentecost. This is still celebrated. It takes place 50 days after the Feast of Passover. This celebration was meant to remember when at Mount Sinai, Uh, Moses received the law from God, the Ten Commandments, and and, and he gave them to them. Also at this festival, the the, uh, nation of Israel, they would bring gifts and offerings, their first fruits, when they came to celebrate this festival. There, There was the third one, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. I think of the Feast of Tabernacles almost like Bonnaroo. 
Because they would come, they would make these makeshift places like tents, and they would live in them for a week. And what it was meant was for them to remember the years they spent wandering around in the desert, in the wilderness, and how God provided for them even though they had nothing. And they celebrated it. Three times a year, they would come to Jerusalem to celebrate these feasts. The first month, the third month, and the seventh month. So that's what Pentecost. Here is the second question. What happened at Pentecost? That was The first one, that was the original Pentecost. Now we're going to look at this one, what happened at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. What's going down here in Acts chapter 2, the Feast of Pentecost has taken place. They've come, man. That's why there's so many people that are gathering in the streets this day. They're celebrating, remembering the law of Moses and the first fruits of bringing them to the temple. That's what happens. The city is buzzing with excitement. This huge festival has taken place. Jesus has told his disciples, hey, hang out till the Holy Spirit shows up. Hang out there. So that's what you've got. You've got these 120 people while all these festivities are going on in the city. 120 people gather in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Father. And this is where we're jumping in. Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated, came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The King James says, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now let's jump to verse 5 and 8. At that time, they were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. They were amazed. Why? We talked about this last week because to them, these guys, these Galileans were a bunch of uneducated idiotes, idiots. That's what they thought of them. How are these people, how do they know more than one language? And here they are speaking, uh, in, in verse 10 of this chapter, it lists 15 different languages that were, they were hearing it in. Most scholars believe because of the, the crowd that was there, there was probably more than that there. But look at verse 11, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Where this is happening is like an international hub. I mean, anybody ever been to Atlanta uh, International Airport? You go to International Airport, you're going to see people from every background, every ethnicity, every race. From I mean, and it's not going to surprise you to see these different people there gathered. And that's what's going on here. You've got all these people there, and, and, and it's not a surprise at all. You've got this international hub, all these people from different nations. This, this man, this fascinates me. Holy Spirit falls on these 120 people in the upper room. They begin to speak in a heavenly language, and yet each one of those different nations understand it in their own language. Uh, Think about this. 
Because a lot of times we think different people were speaking different language. This one was speaking this. Here's what happened. The 120 were speaking one heavenly language. Yet the people that spoke this language were hearing it in their language. The people over here were hearing it in their language. 15 different languages. Come on, that is amazing to me. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Now let's jump back to the original Pentecost. Remember when Moses received the law? Remember that? There was a loud noise. There's a lot of similarities. A loud noise along with a loud trumpet blast. There was a thick cloud that ascended on the mountain. It says that God descended on the mountain with fire. Remember, there's fire here in the next one. The whole mountain trembled as the sound of the trumpet grew loud. Stay with me, get this. On that day of the original Pentecost, 3,000 people died because of their disobedience and their sin. This day of Pentecost, Acts 2, Holy Spirit descended. There was a loud sound, fire fell, yet instead of 3,000 people dying, 3,000 people got new life that day. See, under the law, under the law, 3,000 people died. Under grace, 3,000 people received new life, and the church was birthed that day. I'm telling you guys, that, let's get going because I can smell the wings. On the day, on this day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit empowered a man, a disciple, that just days early was such a coward, he denied Christ three times. Yet on this day, when the Holy Spirit fills him, he stands in this international hub and begins to boldly proclaim what God does. And that's one of the things that Pentecost does for us. If you take notes, Pentecost empowers us to walk the walk on this earth. It empowers us. Here's what I mean. Do you remember in Exodus when Moses went up the mountain, God himself wrote out the Ten Commandments, right? The law was given. No one could keep it. No one could keep it. Well, what do you mean? Before the ink had even dried on the stones, Moses went back down the mountain and everything God had told him not to do, he found the people doing See, the Holy Spirit doesn't just empower us. To, it doesn't empower us to keep the law or be perfect. It empowers us to, to walk the walk in an, in an unrighteous world. I'll, I'll just say this, guys. It is impossible to live righteous without the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about it. When you look at the Ten Commandments, the original ten, that doesn't seem like an impossible standard that God's laying out there, does it? Don't lie. Don't steal. Honor you, father and mother. Don't kill. I, mean, I don't think God's saying, hey, guys, I know this is going to be tough for you, but I need you not to kill anybody. <laughs> you know. And he says, put God first. On paper, they don't look that hard, right? But how many know? There's a lot, they're a lot tougher than what they look like on paper. I'm not even going to ask because my hand would be raised. How many have lied? Yeah, stolen, yeah. And I mean, I mean, I even mean when I say steal, I mean your neighbor's cable or internet service. 
Somebody just got convicted right there, and I felt it. I felt it. See, what happened at Pentecost was the fulfillment of the giving of God's law. But instead of the law being written on stone, God, Holy Spirit, wrote it on our hearts. That's what happened. Question number three is this. Can I personally experience Pentecost? Kelly, that was 2,000 years ago. And that sounds great for them back then, but I want to know, can I experience what they talked about in Acts? Can I experience that right now? Can I, can I do that? Let's look at Acts 2 again, verse 3 and 4. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and on one sat upon and, and one sat upon each other. Everybody had a flame of fire above their head. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember what we talked about last night? That field, that meant they came under the influence of the Holy Spirit. There was a lot of people last night that were under the influence of the Spirit, but it was not Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? That's why Paul said, hey, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because one, they're both going to influence you. They're both going to cause you to do stuff you normally wouldn't do. Let's be honest. But he said, be filled, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Think about it. If you and I had been there that day in the upper room, come on, imagine at me. Imagine with me. You're there in the upper room. You hear this loud noise, then you look. Bro, you got a little piece of fire above your head. <laughs> Just hovering above your head. And he's going, dude, I wasn't going to say anything because... I, I didn't know if there were some lingering effects of something that I'd taken, but you got one too. <laughs> and then they begin to look around the room. Everyone in the room has got these little fire flames above their head, and they begin to sing, the roof, the roof, the roof. He said, no, they did not. No, they did not. <laughs> they did not do that. So we don't, never mind, let's go on. <laughs> But see, here's what, here's what I know about me and some of you. You, you saw that. what you'd be doing is trying to, you'd, you'd want to see it. Try to move your head quick enough to see it. <laughs> Come on, wouldn't you? You know, I don't believe you. I don't, let me see it. But here's the thing about it. You'd have to have faith. That the same flame that is resting above everyone else you see in that room is resting above you. When you got saved, you had to have faith to get saved. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not just for people on the platform. Holy Spirit, that day, it wasn't just the disciples that were in the room. There were 120 people in that room from different walks of life, different backgrounds, people that in their life had lived a broken life, and Jesus had transformed, and it fell on every one of them. It's important you understand that. Holy Spirit wasn't just for the the, the 12 that have spent three years with Jesus. It was for the outcast, the reject, the ordinary, the broken. And just like you had to have faith to receive Jesus, you have to have faith to receive the Holy Spirit. So can I personally experience the Holy Spirit? Well, let's jump back to Acts chapter 1 when Jesus is talking to them. And look what he says. Uh, this is when he tells them, hey, don't, stay where you put, stay in Jerusalem. 
He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they go, they wait, the Pentecost comes, Holy Spirit falls, fills the 120 in the upper room, the loud noise comes, people begin to gather, what is this all about? And Peter begins to stand and deliver the gospel, Acts 2, 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter didn't have to give an altar call. He didn't have to say, hey, heads bowed, eyes closed. It cut them quick to their heart. And they said, what? Here's what they were asking. What do I need to do to personally experience what I just saw? What do I need to do to personally experience that? In verse 38, 39, Peter answers them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look what he says next. The promise is for you. It's for your children. It's for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. I love that part where it says that for all who are far off. You know why I love that? Because I was far off. I was way off base. I was way out of land, out of line. And Peter says, Holy Spirit's not just for us, guys. It's for you. It's for your children. It's for those that have wandered from the faith, those that have never had faith. It is for all that God has called. So can I personally experience Pentecost? Absolutely. Yes, you can personally experience it. But Kelly, that was 2,000 years ago. Let me ask you a question. Are you able to be saved today? Well, that was 2,000 years ago that Jesus lived. You, you weren't there then. I mean, what, what do you mean? But, but see, here's what we understand. That was just the beginning of what Jesus started for us. Jesus, what he did, opened the door for us. The same is true when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost was just the beginning it was just the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is still very much alive and active today. Come on. Let's close. Let's close this thing out if I can get by the thing come up. In Acts 19.2, Paul asked a group of Christians this question. I love this question. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And apparently these Christians, these new Christians had grown up uh, in, in, the, in the kind of church my wife did. Many of you did because their answer was this. We haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. We don't even know what you're talking about. That, that's what they said. Let me ask you something. Why would Paul go out of his way to ask them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Why would he go out of the way to ask them that question if it wasn't important for them? See, there are some of you here today or watching online. You've seen or witnessed a version of Pentecost that has left a bad taste in your mouth. Come on. You think, Kelly, hearing you talk about it, I, I want the Holy Spirit. I just don't want 
that. I want the Holy Spirit, let me say, I want the Holy Spirit, but I want him on my terms. I want to receive him, but I've got some reservations about him. Like, if you can work around my reservations and concerns, God, if you can behave yourself, Holy Spirit, come on in. Here's what I would ask. That you would put off all those preconceived ideas of the Holy Spirit. That you would put off someone else's misuse of the gift that you've witnessed or been around. That's left that bad taste in your mouth. That you would put those things out of the way and be open to receive Holy Spirit completely. Because that's what I want for you. So my fourth and final question is this. Do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? Are you tired of not being able to live a righteous life? Are you tired of blowing it more than you get it right? Are you hearing me? See, I don't care how much willpower you have. I don't care how strong you are. It is impossible to live this life without Holy Spirit. Stand with me to your feet. Do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be desperate for Him? Come on up, Sharon. You know, I was watching a, a movie, a video. Um, it's a movie called Holy Ghost. And I found myself uh, stopping it and going into Denise's office and said, watch this, watch this, watch this. And uh, I'm, we're actually going to show that movie when we end this series on a Sunday afternoon. And the last time I was, I was in there showing her this thing, man, because it's real people and Holy Spirit working through their lives. It's, it's amazing. And uh I told him, he said, man, this makes me hungry. This makes me really want that operating in my life. To that, I believe Holy Spirit is in me. But I want, I said this last week. See, it's not that you get more of the Holy Spirit. It's that Holy Spirit gets more of you. I want him to have so much of me. That I walk into a room, and I don't even know why I'm there, but Holy Spirit's told me to go there told me to say something and I, I said I want that kind of, I said and I, and I turned around I was walking I said I want that kind of hunger for our people I want our people to get desperate for a move of God let me ask you guys aren't you just tired of coming to church And nothing ever changing. Aren't you tired of just coming out of, well, I've got to do this. Got to go here. Aren't you tired of just living an average Christian life? Because let me tell you, God did not save you to live a mundane, boring Christian life. That's why we need Holy Spirit. That's why we need Holy Spirit.
Holy Spirit, you, you, you want to know the evidence of Holy Spirit working in, in Kelly Goins' life? I know someone was coming today and they were talking about the game and, and all the chaos that started at the end of it. And they said, yeah, mom and dad were watching. And they said, I bet Kelly's fighting. He, he's, he's going to. I said, no, man. Because over the years, Holy Spirit's done a work in my life. I was breaking up fights. Seriously. That's evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. When I'm driving down the road and somebody's wanting to get in, but they want to pass everybody else, and then, you know, you know what the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in my life? Oh, I don't want to. All right, come on in. See, we, we look at all these other things that, no, Holy Spirit is operating and changing us little by little in the things we do, the way we talk to people, the way we see people. One of the things that Denise, you've heard me say this, when, when I talked to Denise, said, I believe Holy Spirit is, God is wanting us to go back and begin to pastor uh, uh, mom and dad's church and take over. She said, Kelly, you don't even like people. And that was true. The evidence of Holy Spirit working in my life is I'm able to put up with a whole lot of you. No. No. The evidence is the genuine concern for you. The genuine concern for, for you to live the God-given life that he has created for you to live. Not what culture says you have to live. Not the identity somebody else put on you. I want you to realize your identity that God has given you. And that happens when you allow, Holy Spirit, I'm putting off everything I know and just saying, come and fill me. You know what I found I had to do? You know what, Holy Spirit? I don't like what those people saying you're making them do. But you know what? I've screwed up my life so much. If that's what you're going to do to me, but it's going to be, come do what you want. But I found this more than often. The people that are weird and they say, and I've said this, they say Holy Spirit make, causes them to be weird. No, they're going to be weird with or without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Holy Spirit comes in. It begins to operate. Casey did Holy because Casey has told me because you know, most of y'all know his testimony he was 20 plus year opioid addiction uh, going from that to being my associate pastor come on now that's awesome but but Holy Spirit began to deal with him about dip and he's like this is the hardest thing I believe I've ever had to quit and, and so I just thought it's my job to help Holy Spirit out. So I would convict him every chance I got because we were brothers. But when he began to quit, would you say Holy Spirit helped you through that? See, we, we, when we think about all these, we think about the, yes, he, and we're going to talk about this next week, the tongues. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. But it's the little things, the little nuances that the Holy Spirit does that we're missing out on. The time Denise and I lost our son, Holy Spirit came into that room. Camille, 
She, you know, she, she talks about Glenn being over there and I see you. She says, but I've just got this peace that's, that's Holy Spirit. So the question, I'm not asking do you understand everything. I don't understand. I don't understand how these lights work, but they don't keep me from flipping a switch and using them. Are you hearing me? I don't. You don't have to know. You don't have to understand everything. 